This morning we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, so if you want to make your way there, we're slowly getting through the book of 1 Corinthians, and uh, chapter 2 is on the menu today, and see if we can make it through the whole chapter. It's only 16 verses, so Ethan looked at my notes this morning and said, well, you have a lot of notes, and I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, that's not a good sign. All right, well, let's go before the Lord in prayer, and we'll pick it up there in verse 1. Father, we do thank you this morning for a beautiful day, Lord, and gathering us together. Uh, We do pray, Lord, for all those that are in difficult situations, Lord, life-threatening situations, particularly over in the Ukraine and and all that's going on over there, Father. And, you know, I thought it was interesting that the Israeli prime minister visited with the uh, Russian president, Lord, and Putin, and... Uh, Lord, we're just uh, just watching and waiting, Father, but we know there's a lot of people uh, suffering, and so we do pray that you would do a great work, and we know there's brothers and sisters that are in the Ukraine, uh, Father, um, that are there, and we just pray that you would just bless them and use them, and Lord, just uh, do a great work um, in that country and through all these uh, very difficult and tragic events, Father, and and we do also pray for our brother Marty that you would just continue to heal him and restore him to us, Lord. And as we look into your word now this morning, Father, we pray that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. Move by your spirit in our midst, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we talked about Paul going to Corinth and last time, and I'll put our map up there so you can just get a sense of where it is. And hopefully by the time we get through the book, you'll kind of know where these things are and so remember, uh, pretty much the first, second, third, uh, however you want to count the missionary journeys of the book of Acts, you know, took place really all within this, this, this picture of the map here. Uh, you know, from uh, Rome way up at the top left there, you know, the boot of the nation of Italy with Sicily down there at the tip of the boot, if you would, and uh, all the way through Greece and what's modern day Turkey and even some modern day... Europe, uh, and then around, of course, the Middle East and uh, some of the islands there in the Mediterranean. But um, he's in Corinth here. And then remember, it was a very prosperous city. Um, if you can kind of see where Corinth is located, there's this isthmus that kind of connects the main uh, continent with that island, which is really uh, not an island. There's a uh, strip of land that goes out to otherwise what would be an island. And uh, we know in uh, Titus, the Roman, um, um, well, he was a general and emperor, tried to make that uh, a shipping lane, actually. But it was proved too tough, and it wasn't until the 19th century did they actually make a channel to go through there for shipping. But uh, it was a very prosperous city. You know, they just carried goods overland is what they ended up doing. But, um, you know, very, like they did in Panama Canal until they built the Panama Canal, if you remember that from history. Uh, so it was very prosperous. It's much like our society today. Uh, a lot of modern thinking in that day being, you know, uh, in Greece and with all the, the Greece philosophy. So, you know, I, it's, to me it was just like uh, uh, would be our modern day society where, where, from where we live here in Central California or you know, probably more accurately the, the in the Bay Area, just our, our neighbor to the north, if you would. And so, uh, you know, a lot of the problems uh, that are in the Corinthian church um, 
you know, are problems that we experience in our church today. So it has a lot of application for us today. Now, remember last time, the first problem that was uh, addressed was division. Um, it was division. They were divided in the church over this person, this person, and we talked about that. And then, you know, Paul continued on with how foolish that was and how worldly that point of view was and how worldly that, that wisdom is in, in causing those divisions and their thinking was very worldly and their wisdom was very worldly. And that's one of the things that, that always could, is, a, is, a, you know, always is nipping at our heels in the church with us personally, because remember the church is made up of us, is you know, you know, relying on the worldly wisdom, relying on how people think and resolve through this or do this or execute this. And, you know, and it's not that that doesn't have a place in our lives, but again, when we compare it to the spiritual wisdom that we have, it's, it's not even in the, in the ballpark. And certainly there's uh, so much ap- application for the spiritual wisdom in our lives that should you know, overshadow everything um, uh, or shine above, maybe is a better way of putting that, all the other natural wisdom that flows through. But the church was having a problem with that. Well, this is the way we figure out, this is the way we deal with it. And of course, Paul was going into the, the foolishness of world, worldly wisdom and then stating that, you know, even your faith, the cross, you know, um, to, to, regular, to people looks just like foolishness. You know, it was a very shallow view, man's viewpoint of the cross, Man can't understand the way of the cross and understand God's plan through that. They just can't comprehend that. It looks like foolishness. It looks like silliness. They just can't put it together. The Jews look for it to come this way. The non-Jews look for it to come this way, or the Greeks. And, um, and so he, he kind of was on that theme, and he continues really with this chapter on that same thing. Man cannot understand uh, either the, you know, the wisdom of the cross or the ways of God. It just doesn't come through natural thinking, and that's always going to be this, this you know, push we have. You know, trying to talk to people and tell people and see people understanding things, you know, in the natural sense, and when it can't be seen that way, and that's always the battle that that goes on here. And so, verse one, he continues with that same theme, saying, "And I, brethren, came to you when I came to you. I'm sorry, did not come with excellent of speech or." of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul is reminding them and going back how they first heard the gospel. How did you first hear the gospel? You know, uh, it wasn't like this, you know, uh, you know, this is just the latest thing on the web, you know, 10 life-changing seminars you must attend and, you know, how to connect with yourself, how to, you know, find peace in the world, you know, it wasn't that way. They didn't go to some sort of, you know, seminar. It wasn't some emotional plead, you know, some sort of infomercial, you know how the infomercials are, you know, they try to suck you in and get you to, oh, look at this, and look at that, and this will do this for you, and, you know, it wasn't something like that, and, you know, they're trying to get you to buy a product, obviously, but he wasn't pushing the gospel like a salesman, right? 
and, and trying to get you to see the value in this. Let me show you the value. You know, if you buy this product, look at, you know, your your cooking life will be easier or your repair life will go quicker or, you know, whatever it is will happen or you'll, you know, whatever, something like this and, you know, it'll change your perspective. It wasn't like that. It wasn't some clever marketing or persuasive argument or some self-help thing that, you know, you could sit through and reason through and all that. It wasn't some uh, college type classroom philosophy. Um, you know, it wasn't an emotional appeal. You know, we've all seen those ads where they have the dog, you know, shaking like a little chihuahua and, oh, wouldn't you like to help this poor animal? You know, we've all seen those things with a cat that, you know, one eye is missing or whatever and it's all racked up and, you know, support the little animals today, you know, that's, what is it supposed to do? It's supposed to, you know, strike a chord and compassion in your heart and, man, who doesn't want to help this dog that's looking like it's all mangled and, you know, gnarly and all this kind of stuff or this cat or, you know, these guys hunting elephants or whatever that, you know, it's not some emotional plea like that. It's supposed to, you know, grab your heart and, you know, oh, be partners with us and, you know, and all this stuff. It didn't come to them like that. That's not how the gospel is, is ever to be presented, you know, or some sort of self-help or some kind of, you know, uh, beneficial emotional infomercial kind of thing or some kind of, um, you know, emotional plea to, to get at your, your heart in some way. No, um, it wasn't some slick presentation either. And it wasn't, you know, uh, meant to be convincing people into doing this. How they heard about the gospel when they came to faith was, um, it was very simple. And I, I, I just want you to pause and think about it for a second. I mean, how did you hear the gospel? The day that you received the gospel, I mean, how was it shared to you? I mean, for most of us, I believe it wasn't some great slick presentation. It wasn't some emotional plea. It wasn't some reaction to, you know, to this or to that. It was just pretty genuine. And mine was pretty simple. Uh, in fact, nobody was there. <laughs> so it, it didn't even involve that. Now, obviously, a lot of seeds were planted to come to that point. But, you know, for most of us, it was a person. And it was in a family room or, uh, you know, at a job site or, you know, maybe it was at church or something like that. But it's been something that worked out. It wasn't something, you know, that, that oh, okay, uh, you know, okay, this clicks with my intellect, I understand, or this is really, you know, emotional thing. I need to respond like I need to respond to helping feed these poor animals or something like that. It wasn't like that. Uh, you know, again, we heard the gospel and we came to faith and it was very simple because it was the power of Holy, the Holy Spirit and not with some slick presentation or any of those other things that I already said a couple times. You know, Paul said, you know, the only thing I spoke to you was about Jesus and what he had done for you. And I think that's just important for us to remember as well. You know, he's reminding this church of that. He's reminding, the, you know, in Corinth, he's reminding this church of that. You know, uh, we don't have to persuade people. You don't think that you have to come up with some slick, you know, thing that, that kind of answers everybody's question, that catches them off guard, and they can't really refute what we're saying. Because it's not like that. It doesn't come that way. And uh, we... we 
should never blend the message, you know, I'll blend it with this and a little bit of this and a little bit of this, and I'll put in, you know, the, the cross and the gospel, but I blend, we don't have to do that. We don't have to change the message either to appeal to modern man. We, we don't have to do that. We don't have to say, oh, back then they did it this way, but today we do it that way. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have different venues and we don't have different avenues where we can preach the gospel. Obviously, just like what's right in front of me, there was any, you know, media presence in that sense, you know, of taking it through a device in some way. But the gospel is still the same message. And there might be a little different venues of how we do things, but the message stays the same. We don't have to change it to appeal to modern man. And it's just important for us to remember that. You know, there's power in the gospel as it changed our lives, and it's going to do the same in people's lives today. And let's not be those that get sidetracked into you know, debatable issues like politics, you know, um, you know, let's just give them Jesus. Let's not share our opinion of what a person should or shouldn't do. Let's just give them Jesus. You know, we, we don't want to be known by our opinions or our politics or how we sit on different issues or, you know, mixed messages. Let's just give them Jesus. That's exactly what Paul said, uh, you know, and it reminded them and, and what came to them and what brought them to faith. And sometimes we make it more complex and more convoluted than it needs to be. We just need to give him Jesus. And, and as we see, as we read, there was power, uh, you know, demonstrated of the spirit of power. We give the word and there's not that, you know, there's a, the, the responsibility of the Holy Spirit is to bring the power. Now, if you look at verse 3, it says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. So, Clearly, Paul didn't come into Corinth as some sort of slick salesman, uh, you know, to close a deal, but as an ambassador. And when he showed up in town, um, everything was quite the opposite of how to win friends and influence people, right? I mean, how he showed up uh, obviously was a very weird, we'd say maybe, or unusual circumstances. Now, uh, again, there's some debate of what Paul really means here. Um, because there was a couple issues facing Paul, and my personal opinion is that they all had some influence on why he said that. But remember, he had been thrown into prison in Philippi. When you read the book of Acts, and you get up to chapter 18, where he's in actually in Corinth. So if you follow the book of Acts, you know he was in prison in Philippi and beaten. Remember that he was, uh, you know, stoned to death in Lystra. You know they thought he was dead. They left him for dead and went back into the city, and obviously. Uh, the Lord brought him back to life, or we don't know exactly what the case was, but he wasn't the dead. He's, he wasn't dead. He was beaten in other cities, right? He had to leave cities after, you know, riots in the cities. And so we know he faced troubles when even when he got to Corinth because the, remember, uh, um, Sosthenes, the synagogue ruler, dragged him into court. So you know he was already heading down that way of trouble, and it could be very well that you know, man, here I go again, right? This is a broken record. 
I guess that's an old analogy for us old people now, huh? <laughs> I keep forgetting about that. Fucking record, what are you talking about? But, you know, it's where it skips and it just keeps going the same. Anyway, for you guys, bad analogy. I got to update that one. But, you know, it's the same old thing. Here I go. Go to court again. There's going to be another riot. I'll be thrown in prison, you know? And so you can understand how Paul was. He said, I was in weakness and fear and much trembling. I mean, I always think of Paul as a pretty tough operator. I don't know about you. But that's how he felt when he showed up to Corinth and all this was taking place. Now, the other thing that could have been is that we know that he suffered physically somehow. You know, he had some constant sickness or some sort of chronic pain or some sort of chronic infection or something. And and a lot of people believe that's why Luke, the doctor, was with him continually because he needed continuous medical care. And that could very well be why Luke was, you know, assigned to him, given to him, you know, and again, in the Roman era, in that Roman age, wealthy people had a slave that would go to medical school to be their doctor for their family, right? There wasn't hospitals and doctor's offices like we think of today. And so it seems like one of those people was a believer say, hey, Paul, you need you know, you need to take a guy with you like Luke, and here you go, you know, have him. And so Luke became his partner, obviously. So it could have been that. You know, he showed up, and he looks like, man, the cat, what, something the cat drug, drug in, right? <laughs> kind of all racked. Maybe he was sick, uh, you know, had this infection. Doesn't look like anything that you'd want to, like, wow, what's up with this guy kind of a thing. And, uh, and again, he, we also know the third thing was that he was alone when he went to Corinth, you know? He didn't have Silas or Timothy with him. We know that, you know, he was left and he went to Athens because of the riot. And, you know, he went to Athens and he preached there a little bit. Not much happened. So he goes over to Corinth and that's where he was going to meet Silas and Timothy. But he gets there ahead of him. So he's by himself. And he did meet Priscilla and Aquila and was working with them at that point, we were told. But, you know, again, he wasn't with you know, those that he knew and loved and that were encouraging, encouraging one another in ministry. So I believe a combination of all those things, he got there and he was really down and depressed and uh, worried and fearful. And uh, But whatever the case is, um, we know this is not a verse, the guys on TV that want to teach you that he want, God wants everybody healthy and wealthy. <laughs> this is not something, this is not a verse that they, that they like to uh, point out here, you know, that I was in fearful and trembling and weakness and, you know, all that. <laughs> not something those guys like to point out. It was a really tough time for Paul. He was afraid, all those things, as we said. Now, but that's when the Lord always shows up to us. That's when the Lord knows that, you know, Paul's probably close to bottom. You know, he's really feels all the pressure of all those things I just discussed. And he's there and now he's getting into court again, even though the court kind of went in his favor at that point. But I imagine that, you know, he's just feeling, and we know Acts, you know, 9 and and 11, uh, 18, 9 through 11 tells us this. You know, he's in Corinth. This is happening when he's in Corinth. He said, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking, do not be silent, for I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. Now he's speaking about Corinth there. So again, you know, Paul um, was feeling all that 
And that's when the Lord showed up to him and says, Paul, be faithful, be strong, I'm with you. There's a lot of people that are going to come to know me here, and I want you to be faithful and minister to those people and share the gospel with them. And so we know he stayed there for a year and a half. So he was feeling this way, but he was still faithful to doing what he's called to do. And of course, the Lord encouraged him. And, and then he showed up this way. Remember how I showed up, guys? And then in verse 4, he says, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, with the demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So Paul enters town, and basically his heart is, Lord, if you're not in this, it's over, I'm going to sink. <laughs> I am just up to here with problems and difficulties and worries and fears and all this kind of stuff. And that's when the Lord shows up. And of course, you know, uh, it's, it's one of those things that's like the worst day and the best day in your life. You know, it's the worst day because of all that's going on, but it's the best day because you see the Lord so clearly in those times. And it's this weird dichotomy, this weird uh, you know, paradoxical kind of thing. It's just, you know, how could it be the best and the worst all at the same time? But it but it is. And that's the best place to be, you know, when we're at that place you know, again, that that's when we see the Lord so clearly and He comes and, and speaks to us so powerfully and uses us in a great way because Paul realizes you came to know Jesus not because of anything of me and what I did or what I look like or what I said or any of that. It had nothing to do with that. Now, you guys, it's all about that now. Oh, it's about this guy. We like this guy and he's got wisdom. And, you know, it's all about that now. But let's just turn the page back a little bit. It wasn't about any of that when you came to know Jesus. It was nothing. It was it was completely the opposite of all that. You know, that's how the message was delivered to you in Corinth. It wasn't a method or a message. It was the power of God, and that's how you got saved, and that's what we build our lives on, and nothing else. And again, it's just a reminder to us that the, the you know the Lord d- desires a simple message with this simple messenger. You know, one of the things we always put on our flyer here at the church is you know simply teaching God's word simply. Now I, I realize other people have used that, but at, when we originally put that on there, I, I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> one of those things like, oh, okay, I guess maybe you know. But again, it's simply teaching God's word simply. I think that's just. You know, it's got to be, you know, the the foundation uh, of a church today. And I think that's important. He's bringing it back to the roots because sometimes we just can get so caught up in the layers of things and this and that. And, you know, it can be sometimes in our Christian walk, it can be intellectual pursuits. And not that there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but then we, you know, we lose sometimes the heart and the simplicity of the gospel and the message, and we make it so complicated in our own mind because, you know, we've kind of moved into that area. And, you know, Paul's bringing them back down to earth. No, here it is. It's simple. We preach the message. The Holy Spirit supplies the power. And that's that simple. So it doesn't matter where a person is. If they've been walking with the Lord for 50 years or five weeks, you know, it doesn't matter. And we have to remember this. If a person 
can be persuaded into something, that means they can be persuaded out of it as well. And so that way, you think, man, if I can just persuade them with the gospel message, well, that's not what we want. Because if you can persuade them into it, then somebody can persuade them out of it. And see, that's where it lacks the power. That's where it becomes persuasion. And that is nothing is that, that, of course, the Father desires. And it's just not that lasting, true gospel message. Because they can just be persuaded out of it just as much as they got persuaded into it. And he's reminding that. We rely on power of the Holy Spirit, and we just deliver the message simply. But it doesn't always, it doesn't stay at that level. He goes into verse 6, however, you know, you know, we speak uh, wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom of God ordained before the ages of our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. So he says, okay, yes, you started out that way. And yes, it's not that it just stays that way, you know, in, in a believer's life as they grow and, and as, they, as they mature. Um, no, there, there is obviously greater and deeper wisdom. And I like this quote. Um, which I didn't give credit to. Sorry about that. Just because Paul would not cater to the Corinthian love of human wisdom does not mean that his message had no wisdom. In fact, there is a vast wealth of wisdom sealed off to everyone except the Christian. And I love that. Um, I think that's great. So it's not that there's, you know, but it's not the worldly wisdom. I mean, yes, there's deeper wisdom and there's deeper, you know, knowledge in the things of the Lord, but it's only available to those who are believers. And uh, uh, again, uh, it's not that um, the gospel lacks insight or wisdom. It certainly uh, uh, does have it, but it's not man's wisdom. It's not worldly wisdom. It, it's not something the world understands or can understand. It's this enigma. It really is to the world and even to rulers, even spiritual ones that, that don't believe. It, it's just something they just, you know, it bounces off their head. And, you know, you've been around people like that. Sometimes they're very host, hostile to the gospel. You know, as we talked about last time, oh, damn, that's just for idiots. You think, what was that word you were reading out of the dictionary today that talked about low low brow and of little value? Come on. Yeah, what was the, what was the word, though? Sorry, we're testing your knowledge. He was looking up some words in the dictionary, reading them off this morning, which I think is kind of cool. I know it's kind of nerdy, but... <laughs> uh, and uh, one of them, what was that word? And that, uh, Anyway, you, you know, to people like that, people, you know, there's certain people that think, oh, it's just for the people that are simple, people that don't know much, people that have a, need a crutch, and, you know, all that. What is the word? Kitch. Kitch. Yeah, kitsch, that's right. And you can look it up there. It's a new word for today there. But, uh, you know, it, it just means it's, you know, uh, not made well and it's low brow, it's low quality kind of a thing. Uh, you know, that's what they think of the, the message, some people. 
And, and others, you know, it's just that they have their own, I have my own way of believing and it's, you know, it's, it's because I believe it's true. It's equal with anything else. And as long as my heart is right and I feel right about it, my heart or whatever people do, I don't need that. I got my own kind of thing. And, you know, it just, that spiritual wisdom and insight kind of just bounces off them. They won't understand it and they won't get it. Um, you know, they're the kind of people that, uh, that don't understand, you know, that, that whole spiritual concept. And, you know, they just can't understand it through the natural wisdom. And it's not obtained that way. I mean, look at verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So those are the kind of people that say, well, you're church on Wednesday? I mean, come on, that's just kind of really weird, you know? Nobody does that. Reading your Bible every day, that's, isn't that overboard? Isn't that kind of fanatical? I mean, spending time in prayer and telling people about Jesus, I mean, come on, you know, uh, they just don't understand that, you know, you love doing those things and they're great things. And they don't understand why you do those things or say those things or spend time doing those things because they don't have the wisdom and the love you have. So they say, oh, why don't you just relax? You do so much, you know, uh, or you're missing so much because, you know, you're spending too much time in church or this Bible stuff. You have too much religion, too much Jesus, you know, you know, they just don't get it. They just don't understand. And, and, you know, we shake our heads and scratch and go, how can they not get it? It's so clear to me. I mean, it's as plain as the nose on your face. And, and yet they just, you know, it, it just seems like it bounces off them. And, you know, we're baffled by it. And they're baffled by it too. But, again, we're told here very clearly they just don't have those eyes to see. They don't have, they can't discern the things naturally. They just can't. You know, it's kind of like that story in Acts chapter 8. Remember, uh, Philip is preaching up in Samaria, and the Lord says, no, hey, I want you to head down to you know, the Gaza area in the desert, and he sees this Ethiopian eunuch going on his chariot, right? And, uh, and then the Lord says, that's the guy I want you to talk to. So he goes up the chariot. The guy's got the scroll of Isaiah written, and he's reading it. I mean, he's reading about the Messiah, and you know, Philip says to him, well, Man, there it is, plain as day on the paper. Don't you see it? Or on the scroll or whatever, the skin, <laughs> papyrus, whatever. It was. You know, it's plain as day right there in front of you. And, and the guy goes, well, how can I understand this unless somebody explains it to me, right? Even a guy that was religious, he was going to Jerusalem, he knew the importance of the Bible, we'd say, but, you know, he just didn't have that the eyes to see and the ears to hear. And he realized that. I just, I need, and then when he heard the gospel and received the gospel and was you know, baptized, then boom, you know, as we'll find out later on, you know, the blinders were taken off and he could see. And, and that's very true. And that's why, you know, when Paul's talking about this power and, you know, the gospel comes in power and, and all this, you know, it's, it, that's the power. You know, we speak the gospel, we say those things, and, um, you know, talk about them, and, uh, um, you know, um, I got way off on my verse here. Sorry, my page is <laughs> Sorry, I got ahead of myself here. Um, where was 
thinking about here. But, you know, again, you know, again, it's just foolishness. And um, uh, again, they just don't understand. And we have to talk about that. And I just don't know where I read right now. Sorry, I kind of lost my whole thing. Um, man, where did, what verse did I end up with? 14. Yeah, I read 14 ahead of time. Sorry, I, I skipped verse 9. I knew something was wrong there. Thank you. Uh, uh, let's go back there. So let me go back. I don't know why. I went to the wrong section there. But again, you know, uh, persuaded, they can't be persuaded in and out of it. We talked about that. Um, and again, it's just not man's wisdom. I, I want to go back. I'm sorry. I wanted to talk on one thing. Verse 7 says, but we speak the wisdom of God. I'll, we'll get to verse 14 in a minute here. I, I realize I skipped some things. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. And it's hidden wisdom, which God has ordained before the ages, which none of the rulers of this age had known, because they would have crucified, you know, the Lord. They wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory here. And, and again, um, it, it's just not man's wisdom. It's not something the world can understand. And the mystery that's that's spoken about here is, it's you know, don't think of it like a, you know, like the Sherlock Holmes, the who who done it kind of thing. Uh, you know, with clever, clever investigation, and if I just uncover all the clues and I, you know, get all this stuff, then I can come to this understanding and knowledge. It's not that kind of mystery. It's it's really better maybe defined as sacred secret, and it can only be known by revelation. It can only be known by revelation. It's not something a person in their wisdom can seek out. It's it's. It's revealed to them, and uh, and it has been revealed. That's that's what exactly he's saying here. And when he says that, then verse nine says, "But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor hath entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God." Now, Paul is quoting here, or really paraphrasing more accurately, Isaiah 64, 4, which we have talked about. Remember, the things of God are, uh, the ways of God are not the ways of man. His, his thinking is above our thinking, his uh, thoughts above our thoughts, is, you know, everything, that, that verse that, you're, that I'm paraphrasing right now. He's doing the same thing, right? And he's reminding us that God's wisdom and God's plan is past our own finding out because. His ways are so different than ours. Now, when we read verse 9, a lot of us uh, people have thought, and you know, I've even used it, uh, you know, in the course of time too, talking about, you know, no eye is seen and no ear is heard, nor enter the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And, you know, we, we kind of refer to that and speaking to that as what's waiting for us in heaven. While I believe that's true, we can't comprehend the greatness of heaven and all uh, that's involved with heaven, and I think there's great application for that, but that's not what Paul is talking about here. Because verse 10 says very clearly that God has revealed uh, them to us through His Spirit. So, no eye has seen, no natural ear has heard, it hasn't entered the mind of people, but through His Spirit, it is. 
it's been revealed and it's by the gospel. And so really that's the gospel message. Um, that's what he's talking about here. Yes, you, no natural way of thinking about it. It, it, it you, can you come to the conclusion of what the gospel is and the gospel message and how the Lord did that because it's not part of our thinking. It's above ours as God's thinking as we spent some time talking about last week. It has been revealed and it's through the gospel message. And what we need to understand is people in their wildest imagination can't understand God's grace. Just remember that. They can't understand God's grace. God's grace is so foreign to them. People can't understand uh, His grace. It just doesn't make sense to them because this world doesn't operate that way. It's like, well, if I'm nice to you, uh, you'll be nice to me. If I love you, uh, you'll love me. If I do this for you, you'll do this for me. You know, it, it's all this give and take and, you know, an understanding uh, unmerited, undeserved favor uh, without exception is just so foreign to people because it's just so opposite of how people think today. And again, uh, he says in verse 11 that no man knows the things of, the, of man except the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So again, just think about it. Can you really know what a person is thinking? No, you really can't know what a person's thinking. Now you can, you know, if you live with somebody long enough and you've seen their mannerisms and how they deal with things, you can come up with a pretty good idea of what they're thinking, right? And you have some sense, but nobody can really know what another person is thinking, just like no one can really know what you're thinking, right? I mean, people say, oh, I know what you're thinking. Well, they don't really know. They could guess, but they don't really know. And that's what Paul's saying here about his wisdom. We could never know about it unless he told us about it. Um, again, uh, it's this wisdom that comes from the Spirit. It's this one he said in verse 6, it's that mature, we speak, you know, uh, among wisdom among those who are mature. So there's more on top of it. It's not like, oh, we just stick with the basic, you know, the basics like the gospel. Paul says, no, his message gets to the heart and the deep things of God. I like the end of, you know, verse 10, those deep things of God. It gets into the deep things of God and they're revealed to us by his spirit. It can't come any other way. And it's not just like, well, you know, it's this, you know, some people will say, okay, okay, we learned the gospel that way and everything, but we got to move on from that. And then, you know, you're always just going back to this, you know, real lightweight stuff and this and that. And Paul says, well, it certainly is that. And certainly that's our foundation and we can't move away from that. But there's far more than that. Uh, again, we know the deep things of God. Again, that's what this godly wisdom gives to us and we learn and we grow as we become, as we're believers and as we mature in our, in our faith. It's just not something you can go to school to learn. It's not something you can learn by experience. You know, eventually um, you can learn how to do something very good, uh, you know, by just repetition. This is not something that can be learned that way. It's revealed to us. Well, let's get back to verse 14, or 12 here. Now we have received 
not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, the end of verse 13 is a little hard to maybe understand, and I think it's maybe a, a little bit better put this way in, in the verse 13. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to spiritual men. I think that's maybe a little easier way to understand verse 13 here. This does not mean that every believer has equal spiritual wisdom, and this does not mean that we will understand all spiritual mysteries. It does mean that every believer can understand the basics of the Christian message, which is unattainable and really undesired by human wisdom. Again, we learn spiritual truths because it revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. Let me just give you a big fat for instance, right? You know, you're reading the Bible, and all of a sudden that you know, verse jumps out and goes, wow, okay, I get that. I understand that. Or, you know, this series of verses. Okay, oh, I understand. I get that. Or, you know, you're hearing somebody like in, in this venue, you know, in this kind of setup. You hear somebody teaching the Word of God. Oh, man, now it makes sense. Oh, that really clicks. You know, it's, it's not, uh, you know, it, that's the Holy Spirit revealing to you uh, you know, through His Word, uh, uh, you know, the meaning and understanding and the wisdom or the application and the wisdom and application or whatever it might be of a particular verse or a particular situation. It doesn't have to even be scriptural. You know, you can, He'll give you insight and wisdom into to all sorts of different things, but it's revealed through the Holy Spirit. And again, not every believer has equal spiritual wisdom and we won't understand all spiritual mysteries. Uh, you know, people will be revealed different things and for different reasons, for, you know, the gifts and abilities and uses that God wants. And others, you know, I, I believe is, you know, uh, I believe this to be true, is that how, how deep do you want to go? I mean, how deep do you really want to go in the things of the Lord? And the Lord will take you there, but He won't take you one step further. You know, if you say, limit, this is it, you know, it's pretty much all I want to know is this, and I got to this, and I kind of understand this, and I got a handle on this, and okay, that's, I'm good with that, then the Lord will say, okay, that's, that's, um, that's what I'm giving you. And He's not going to, you know, He's not going to lead you past where you don't want to go. But if you say, Lord, I want you to, you know, show me this. I want to go deeper. I want to understand this at a greater and a deeper level, Lord, show me this, uh, you know, reveal to me what you mean here. How does this connect with this? Then I believe the Lord just meets you there as well. And the question we have to always ask ourselves is, you know, how deep do we want to go? How much of the things of the Lord do I really want to be involved in? Do I really want to understand? And I believe he'll take you as deep as you want to go. And, and the limitation and the limiting factor is never him. It's always us. Now back to the verse that I already talked about. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, 
nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And which, as I already said, you know, people just don't get that. And then when you you understand these things and you're going deeper and these things are revealed to you, they just don't get it. You know, they just think you're just, you know, it's just kind of crazy or silly or you're out there or you're too much involved in this. It just kind of bounces off their heads, you know. And again, spiritual wisdom seems foolish to the natural man. And, and you know, you, you get that, uh, you know, from way back in school. Well, you got to learn this, you got to learn this, you got to know this, you got to understand this. And, and I understand the wisdom, if you would, in, in, in that way. But when you compare those things to spiritual wisdom, you realize, okay, you know, I may not may be able to work intricate equations to send a person into space, um, but you know, understanding the eternal things of God have far more weight than that, <laughs> at least you know, in, in in my way of looking at things. And so, uh, again, that's you know. People will say, well, there's, what value is it in that? You're learning this, but there's so many more practical things you can do. And they'll you know, say, why are you wasting your time on spiritual things when you could be making more money or having more fun or doing this um, or making money with it? I'm sure it's, it's a huge pull to a lot of uh, people, in, uh, you know, particularly those that are you know, talented musically you know um you know you could just go in the mainstream and you could with that voice and your ability to write songs and connect songs with people you know why don't you just you know reach out to the you know what's that one song by um uh the um newsboys that remember that uh you know it talks about do you guys remember that song about uh they, you know, drop the God and emphasize the beat. Remember that song from the Newsboys? <laughs> anyway, it was kind of a, a song. I guess this has zero impact on if you can't remember and I can't describe, huh? But, you know, it was a song about Newsboy that, that you know, this music, uh, you know, person was trying to say, hey, you know what, you guys are so talented, you know, em- drop the God, emphasize the beat, and you're going to go places. And he says, you know, I'm, we're not going to do that. This is a song the Newsboys sang some years ago. And, uh, you know, that's what, that's what it is. You know, why are you doing this? Or I mean, even somebody that's a gifted, talented speaker, man, you could be making money doing this. You could do presentations. You could do conferences. You can do these, you know, this and that and all sorts of stuff. And, and again, it's, it's tempting. Why are you kind of wasting your abilities and talents and these things? And we said, <laughs> no, it's not what it is at all. At all. It's, it's what's valuable and what's important. But to... Those that don't know, it's foolishness. So don't get upset when they think it's foolishness and act like it's foolishness and act like you're wasting your time and you're dumb and all these things. We know it's value and it's important. They just don't get it. And rather than being mad at them, we can feel sorry for them and pray for them, right? You just don't get it. You don't get what's really... Man, if you only could see what I see, if you only understood what I understood, it, man, it, it, it would, you know... It, it, it would just change so much in your life. It would change everything. It would turn everything upside down. And uh, that's the way we should feel about those things and not get mad at them for their, you know, reaction. They just don't, they don't see. They're blind. And let's finish with this verse 15. He says, But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who can know the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? but we have the mind of Christ. 
Because of this, people won't understand the spiritual life, right? No natural man is equipped to judge the spiritual man. Because it won't make sense to them ever. Uh, again, it's very clear. They, they, they can't judge a person and a believer and why they do things. I mean, they will, and they will say all those things. But again, they, they'll just, they just don't get it. It just won't ever make sense to them. And he quotes in verse 16 from Isaiah 40, 13, you know, again, who can know the mind of God? Who can instruct him? Well, nobody. And again, the natural man is incompetent to judge the spiritual man and spiritual values. It, it just, they, just, they just don't get it. They can't have it. They don't have it within them to understand and make determinations about those things. Which is a big reason, guys, why we take the wisdom of the non-believer always with, as the old saying goes, with a grain of salt. Now, they might be wise in this area or wise in that area. You know, taxes are coming up. They might be, you know, the greatest CPA and tax person. They might be, you know, give the greatest, uh, have great wisdom on human insight and emotional issues. Or they might, you know, be very good at doing this or that. And they know the legal realm, if that's in this. Or, the, you know, they might be very versed in medical uh, issues and, and very smart in that. They, they would, but you, again, we always have to take that wisdom with the grain of salt and say, okay, Lord, is this really what you're saying to me? Is this really what you'd have me to do? Should I do that medical thing? Should I follow that attorney's advice? Do I listen to this counselor speaking to me? Do I, do I you know, invest the time into this person, even though they're smart in that area? But, you know, again, Lord... I, I don't answer to that wisdom. I, I want the greater wisdom because they see the picture right in front of them. And it might be great and wonderful advice. And it might be the best advice that they could possibly give you. The best wisdom that they're capable of. And I'm sure that's the case in, in a lot of areas. But when you compare that wisdom to the wisdom of God, it's just like, you know, uh, spitting in the ocean. I, you know, I used to... The water polo guys used to... We used to some of the guys on the team used to spit in the pool. I, I could never understand that. They would just, you know, how some guys spit in high school, right? They spit. I don't know what it all is about. They spit. And I, and I, and I, I'm like, dude, we're swimming in this pool. I don't know. Just, and they go, there's 18 gazillion gallons. That's not, you're not even going to know what in there. <laughs> I don't know why I brought that up. But, uh, you know, I, 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 this one guy I used to do it all the time. And I used to be like, you know, Spit on the side of the pool if you have to. I walk out on my feet. Anyway, yeah, there's nothing that dilutes in there, right? But if you would, you know, it's like that spit in, in a 50-meter pool. You know, it's, a, you know, it's nothing compared to the wisdom of God. And we need to remember that. And we always, you know, take that. And it's not that we don't listen to them. It's not that the Lord doesn't use them, because He certainly does at times. And it might be His way and His will and his direction coming from those persons, it can be. But at the end of the day, because they don't know the Lord, you know, we got to go into the far deeper wisdom and the far greater and larger pool of God's infinite wisdom and say, okay, is this what you want? And, and because we're given, if you notice at the end of verse 16, the spiritual man, the spiritual person actually has the mind of Christ. We have the very thoughts of Christ available to us. 
It's the Holy Spirit who imparts the mind of Christ to the believer. And that's just a, you know, a great underlinable highlight of verse. If, you, if you're the kind of person that likes to do that in your Bible, you know, it really is. We have the mind of Christ. We have access to the infinite wisdom and knowledge uh, uh, of the God of the universe, of our Lord and Savior. And, uh, you know, uh, just remember that. But by the way, if you, if you read through this chapter, and I didn't bother, but you guys that like to go a little bit more, you can, you can see in this chapter a few times where, where Paul interconnects Jesus, you know, as the, the Lord of all. You know, the, the Trinity is really brought forth here in, in this chapter, and I don't spend time look, t- saying that, but he, he uses that kind of almost interchangeably, showing, uh, you know, a strong... Um, uh, teaching on, on the Trinity here, really, if, if, if we looked into those things. But um, again, we have the mind of, I just throw that out there as a little nugget there, but we have the mind of Christ. Just think of that, what we have there. And so, uh, you know, we need to utilize that, not get caught up in this and that and this worldly wisdom. Remember what wisdom we have. Yes, this is where we definitely came to the Lord, and it's simple, and we need to keep it that way, and, and, and that's the message of the gospel, and let the power of the Holy Spirit work, and not the wisdom and power of our presentation, or our right words, or this or that, or anything else, no. And, and then once you know we open our hearts to that, and we receive that, then we just get this whole fountain of knowledge that's infinite. And, uh, you know, we can grow and mature in those things, and that's what's found in Christ, and it just can't be found in any other level than any other way in this world. And that's why we pursue the mind of Christ, the spiritual things, and we emphasize those things. Well, amen? amen. Let's, uh, let's pray here, and we'll pick it up next week in chapter 3. Father, we do, again, thank you for these uh, great and wonderful insights that you've given to us today, Father. And may we understand that. May we not grow short and upset at people that just don't get it because they just don't have your mind. They're just spiritually blind. It doesn't make sense to them, and it can't make sense to them. We can't just explain it to them where they will understand it, uh, because it's spiritually discerned, and uh, there's great. it's a great mystery to them that it's only unlocked through faith, through coming to know uh, your son, Jesus, and the grace provided by his death and burial and resurrection, Lord. And once we do that, then there's this unlimited, you know, uh, resource of wisdom and, and knowledge and understanding really given to us. It's at our disposal. And uh, we thank you for that. And again, it, it makes us scratch our heads why people can't understand how great and important it is and why we like reading your word and why we like going to church and why we like singing worship songs and why we like spending time in prayer and this and that. It just won't make sense to them. They'll say, well, you know what? Let's go here. And say, well, that's why I go to church. And they'll say, well, you can go to church, you know, anything. They just don't understand that. They just don't get why you want to go to church instead of doing this great fun thing. And uh, because they don't know that going to church is a far greater fun or something that just is so much more appealing to us than than they could ever understand. And they could never understand, really, this side of becoming a believer. And so, Lord, help us to have patience with that. Help us to continue to share the good news with with them and understand we want them to know and come and learn. And it's not by any 
special words or things we have to do. It's just simply presenting the gospel simply and, and your power of, Holy, the power of your spirit working in their lives to, to lead them and bring them to you, Lord. And uh, that's what happened in our lives. Uh, and Lord, you want us to continue to do that and use us to multiply that uh, as well, Father. So we pray that we would um, continue to do that and be faithful in that and to rely and just be thankful of the wisdom that's been given to us, Lord. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.